You're listening to First Conyers Daily Podcast, Daily in the Word, with Pastor John Mark Oliver. Um, this morning, I, I had the song on my mind, Great is Thy Faithfulness. And in light of Hebrews chapter 12, we're looking at this morning in God's faithfulness to us. And the writer is encouraging us to cast our eyes on Jesus, our focus on Jesus in our struggle and our battles in this walk of faith, and to remember Him who suffered at the hands of sinful man. And the writer reminds us that we have not yet suffered uh, in resisting sin to the point of death. And so we look into Jesus in that as an encouragement and a, a recognition of His suffering for us. Uh, he was tempted. Uh, to not go to the cross. Father, if there be any other way, let this cup pass from me. Yet in that hour of temptation to not go to the cross, he chose to be obedient and willing to suffer for our sake. And so he is a faithful God, and we worship him this morning in that. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father.
proven himself to be faithful. Uh, give me a heart emoji or a thumbs up emoji, just something to know that you agree with that song that he is faithful. He who is faithful will remain faithful to the very end. And it's by his spirit that he keeps us so that we are able to be faithful to him. And so um, I guess you'd say it's a mutual thing in that. But uh, though others may fail us, he will never, ever fail us or forsake us. He always remains faithful and constant. And in a world that shifts so very quickly, so often, shifting day to day, isn't it good to know that we have one who is faithful and will remain faithful to us ever constant? And so the writer, again, in chapter 12, calls us to look back at Jesus. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, uh, let us lay aside every weight and sin that so easily clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Verse 2, looking to Jesus. Um, I, I think of that and I kind of envision that if I'm looking to Jesus, my eyes are on Him. And if you've ever taken a walk and, and you realize when you're walking, you fix your eyes on something ahead of you, and your body naturally follows that path towards that point. And so there's the image that he gives us, that we fix our eyes on Jesus. When our eyes are fixed on him, uh, whatever may be happening in the peripherals or behind us, uh, we don't see those things. And, and our eye is fixed on him, knowing that whatever may come along the pathway in that walk, that he has gone before us and he will always, always, always remain faithful to us in that. He says in this that he is the founder and perfecter of our faith. He, all of our faith rests on Christ, his, his life, his witness in his life, the fact that he is God revealed to us, God in the flesh. And of course, his suffering on the cross, his death, his shedding of his blood for our salvation, and his resurrection as we've trusted him that uh, that we know that he is the founder and he is the perfecter or the completer of our faith as we've placed our trust in christ we are made perfect and complete in christ i know sometimes you and i don't feel like we are perfect and of course we are not perfect in action, but in a position, we are perfect and complete in Christ. There is no longer any sacrifice for sin. There's nothing that we could ever do, can ever do to atone or pay for our sins, but we've been made complete and whole in Jesus Christ. No matter what my feelings tell me, I hold on to the truth that I am made complete and whole, made the righteousness of God in Christ. And so he says here, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising its shame, putting, putting to rest the shame of the cross, and seated at the right hand of God forever interceding. So then he says in verse 3 that we're to consider him who endured from sinners, sinful man. Jesus endured the, the, the hostility that was, that was thrown against him. He endured the, the, the beatings, the whippings, the crown of thorns, all of those things, the spitting upon. He endured all of that. And he tells us to put our eyes on him so that we don't grow weary in this walk of faith or to grow faint-hearted, to lose hope. The Bible says that hope deferred makes a heart sick. And so we have to remind ourselves constantly that our hope is in Jesus Christ and his resurrection. 
not a wishful kind of thing, but a hope, a firm foundation by trusting in him that our hope is placed on him and not to grow faint-hearted. And he says, in your struggle against sin, you've not resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And you have, have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as son? Uh, verse, uh, verse 5, the last part. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he cherishes every son whom he receives. And so here the writer is kind of shifting thought that that is we're walking with God in this walk of faith, that we as legitimate children of God are going to be disciplined or reproved by him. And he, he tells us that the Lord disciplines the ones that he loves. I like to look at that and say, you know what, if he didn't discipline me, then he, didn't, he wouldn't love me. Oftentimes look at parents raising children today and their lack of discipline to those children really shows me that they don't have a love for their children. Not in that sense, but a, a real love for children will correct, will discipline, will train them, reprove them when they need to be corrected. And so our Father loves us so that He is going to discipline us. We all need discipline in our lives. I'm thankful that God disciplines me. I'm thankful that He uses His Word to discipline me, uh, to bring me into right thinking, to transform my mind, uh, to set my sight on things that are godly, not on things that are ungodly. I'm thankful that God uses circumstances and has used circumstances in my life to, to mold me and shape me, to grow me in my fellowship and relationship to Him. I'm thankful that God has used uh, many different things, illness, God's used separation, God's used um, hurt, God has used financial uh, pressures, God has used joblessness, all of those things, while sometimes we look at them as horrific things, God is in control of every factor in our life. And God will use every episode in our life to discipline us and to conform us to the likeness of His Son, Jesus. And then he says in verse 7, for, uh, It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom the Father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. You see, the point there again is that if, if we were illegitimate children, God would not even care or love to discipline us. But because He loves us, He reproves us, He corrects us, He changes the course in our life, and He uses those episodes that sometimes we... Uh, have a tendency to probably or possibly be disheartened in, but God uses those to discipline us. And all of us know that discipline oftentimes takes place over a course of time. I am thick-skulled, and I'm hard-hearted. I'm prideful, and I'm arrogant, and I'm egotistical. I'm narcissistic in my flesh. And so oftentimes, it takes God to really send a message to me, to discipline me, and to train me. I'll say this, that we have one or two responses when God brings discipline in our lives. We can shake our fist at God, be angry at God, we can blame God for circumstances, or we can ask God in the midst of those times, those circumstances, God, what is it that you want to show me through this? 
And Lord, while this may not be directed from your hand, it may be something that someone else is responsible for, that this hardship has come into my life. God, what is it you want to teach me? How do you want to use this hardship in my life to discipline me and to conform me to the likeness of Christ? You see, that should be the heart of a disciple. That should be the heart of one who desires to follow Christ and grow in Christ, that we say, God, would you use this situation in my life, this 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 thing that has happened, God, would you use it to, to discipline me, to shape me, to mold me, and to change me? Uh, the brat sits back and says, I don't want this. Why did you do this to me? I, I want my way. I want my way. And we've all seen brats. You know, sometimes we are brats to God. But God wants to change us and shape us. And sometimes our initial response may be to be a brat. But thank God for the Holy Spirit who draws us and works in our lives so that he might work and conform. Then he says in verse 9, he says, Besides this, we have all had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? Now, unfortunately, some of us may not have had fathers who were loving and disciplined us in love. Um, and, and when we hear this, we can relate to the horrible experience, possibly, that we may have had with our earthly father who perhaps abused us. But that's not the kind of father he is. I'm thankful that I had a father that, that loved me. Good night, my dad loved me. And he used correction in my life because he loved me. And so we have to remember that we have a heavenly father who is love. And here the writer reminds us that our earthly fathers disciplined us uh, so that we might live. For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. Uh, I, I always believed that my father had my, my best interest in his heart when he disciplined me. And as best as he knew how, he would discipline me and train me. I didn't like it sometimes, but now I look back, and I'm so glad that my father disciplined me in those ways. But he says here that he disciplined us for our good, that we may, he disciplines us for our good, that we may share in his holiness or his righteousness. You see, again, God's main objective in your life and in my life is to conform us to the likeness of Christ, that we might share and walk in his holiness and his righteousness. While we will never, ever attain uh, absolute righteousness on this side, we know that He works in us to grow us, that is to sanctify us, so that we become more of a reflection of Christ, so that we can glorify Him first, and then we can be a witness to those around us as we grow in the love of Christ and are able to, to display His love. Then in verse 11, concluding, for the, for the moment, or in that temporary time, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. And can somebody say amen to that? All discipline seems painful. However, later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. It yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness for those who have been trained by it. My wife and I were reflecting some last night on some different individuals that we are walking with and 
perhaps counseling uh, with. And, and we continue to see repeated things in their life that, that only bring more difficulty and more tragedy in their life. And it kind of baffles sometimes uh, why people continue those same patterns or perhaps they had lived a pattern for a long period in their life and now they're kind of suffering the consequences of not going after God, not pursuing Him, not growing as a disciple in Him. And sooner or later, the fiddler's got to be paid and these consequences come in their life. You see, the way to break repeated patterns in our life is to submit to the discipline, disciplining hand of God and yield to it and ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, strengthen me so that I might respond to life situations and temptations in life, that I would grow through those, accept your hand of discipline so that I might be conformed to the likeness of Christ to bring Him glory, to have better consequences or results in my own life and in my family's life, and also that I might be a witness of Christ. Well, I pray the Lord blesses you today and He keeps you. Pray that God would give you an opportunity today to plant a seed of the gospel in somebody's heart. And if you recognize that somebody's already had that seed planted, uh, would you pray and ask God for discernment how you might cultivate that seed? And if God, by His grace, would allow us to see Him, witness Him, save somebody today, that would make our day. I want to ask you to please hit that share button on your Facebook feed. Share this with others. Try to get the word out that our time has changed now to 9 o'clock rather than 8 a.m. I look forward to being with you tomorrow morning. Have a blessed day. Thanks for listening to our daily podcast. For more information about First Conyers, visit our website at firstconyers.com.